Friends, we're in Matthew's Gospel today. If you want to grab a Bible, they're up the back. I know you've all got a Bible in your back pocket, so why don't you pull out your phones, pull out your iPads, pull out your various devices. We're going to be reading along in Matthew uh, chapter 3. It is actually the, the year of Matthew, so we might be spending a bit of time in, in Matthew this year. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew. All of Matthew chapter 3, three basically tells a story of, uh, of, of John the Baptist, of Jesus being baptized by John in the Jordan. Um, but if you don't have a Bible on you, you can please grab one up the back. If you don't have a Bible in your house, please come and see me after the service. We'll give you a Bible. We'll put a Bible in your hands. But we've got some sort of what you might call, what we used to call in the church, pew Bibles up the back there. Please come and help your, please take them as we follow along uh, this morning. Uh, one of uh, my really important jobs as a father, as any parent will tell you, is to be an encourager. Uh, one of the most important jobs as a dad, or if you're a mum, then you're a mum, is, is to be an encourager of your children, particularly when they're young, but also when they, uh, when they grow up. Uh, I think that is probably still the case. I think my parents probably still encourage me. And so uh, it is one of the jobs of a parent to be encouraging your children, but particularly when they were little. I do remember um, Sebastian, and thank you all for your prayers for Sebi, has successfully made it to Kona after a bit of a, bit of a runcture. He's over there and with, with a whole bunch of young followers of Christ being encouraged. So thank you for all of your prayers and support. But when he was only little, uh, my son, as he's learning to play sports, as indeed all of my sons and indeed my daughter Bethany, I like to really encourage them in their sports. And I remember Sebastian one time got his first ever cricket bat. He'd played a bit of soccer in the, in the, in the winter months, as the young five-year-olds do. They all just follow the ball around in the clump around the soccer paddock. But it came time uh, for the summer months, and uh, we put a cricket bat in his hand. And I remember the first time we got a cricket bat, a little plastic cricket bat, and a cricket boy ran out into the backyard wanting to really encourage him. said, Seb, you're going to be the greatest batsman of all time. We ran up to the backyard. He threw the ball up in the air, took an almighty swing, and missed completely. Don't worry, Seb, I said, wanting to be encouraging, wanting to really not now, douse his spirits or lose any comments. Don't worry, mate. Don't worry, mate. The greatest batsman of all time, Donald Bradman was his name. He was an Aussie. I'm sure he missed his first one. Have another go, buddy. And he swings and took an almighty swing and missed again. Don't worry, mate. Don Bradman, the greatest batsman of all time. I'm sure he missed his first couple. Have another go, buddy. Well, this time he really thought about it, thought hard, threw the ball high up in the air and really watched hard and had a crack and dropped, missed completely again. I had to think really quick. I could see he's becoming a bit downcast. I had to think really quick and I said to him, Seb, you know what this means, buddy? You've got a hat trick with your first ever three balls. You're the greatest bowler of all time, Sebastian, I said to him. It's so important, isn't it, to be encouraging our children. But of course, not just our kids, but indeed all of us. As a church family, it is important to be encouraging one another. We've all experienced those times when just a little, a little just even an offhand comment, a little word of encouragement has, has meant so much to us and has really meant a, a, a lot to us. Our story today is about one of those little times uh, that uh, just a little word of encouragement had had a great effect, had a really significant impact upon, upon someone's life and upon someone's, someone's ministry. Uh, Jesus said that he came that we might have life to the full, have it in all of its abundance. So I want that not only for my kids as they're out there having a go, having a swing at life, but indeed for our, all of our church family. I want us all to be having a swing, 
to be having a crack in 2023, to not let our fears and self-doubts stifle us, to not let our concerns about what others might think hinder us, but to be all that we can be in Christ in this, in this new year. Today's famous passage of Jesus being baptized by John in the River Jordan contains just a, a wonderful little example of that you, that you might not have seen if you're familiar with this, with this story. Amidst all the scenes of this marvelous scene of, of Jesus rising up out of the water and, and, and the spirit descending like a dove and a voice from heaven speaks, there's a little moment in here where Jesus encourages John that I'm hoping that we might be able to take away and apply in our own lives in 2023 in order that we might fulfill our calling and thereby glorify God. So Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through uh, to 17 says this. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not think you can say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. After me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering the wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. When Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and, and yet you come to me. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is the proper, it's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Let's pray. Loving Lord, we pray that you might bring this scripture to light for us this morning. We pray that you might help us to apply it in our lives this coming week, this coming year. Father, we pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and all that is heard. And all the people said, 
Amen. Well, the first three chapters of Matthew's gospel is all about who is this Jesus. Matthew opens his gospel by telling us who this Jesus of Nazareth is. And if you've been following along, you'll, you'll read that uh, we've been given lots of information. There's a deluge of descriptions about who this Jesus fellow is, this Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. We're told that he is indeed the Messiah or, or the Christ. He is a, a descendant of King David. He is a descendant of Father Abraham. He was born of a virgin in Bethlehem, a fulfillment of prophecy. He, uh, he is a Nazarene from, from Galilee, again, a fulfillment of, of prophecy. He's the offspring of the Holy Spirit. We're told that he's the Savior. He will save his people from their sins. We're told that he's king of the Jews and that he is, in fact, Emmanuel, God with us. And it doesn't end there. It, it's not over yet. Here at the scene of his baptism, uh, we get this Wonderful picture that as Jesus is coming up out of the water, a voice from heaven speaks and declares that this is my son. Jesus is God's son, his beloved, with whom he is well pleased. So this is, this is the context here. Matthew is, is been giving us lots of information about who this Jesus is and, and why we should make him our Lord and our Savior, our, our Messiah, our, our King. He's, he's making sure that we are very clear that by, by making Jesus the Lord of our life or, or the boss of our life, that we can be washed clean, that our sins be red as scarlet, we can be washed clean, fit, ready to once again enter into our Heavenly Father's presence once, once more. We pass from death into life, from darkness into light. Um, but, but not only for the next life. It's not just pie in the sky when you die. This is good news in the here and the now. Uh, this is good news that helps people to live our best lives. You'll hear this phrase all the time these days. You're living, are you living your best life? It's, there's nothing wrong with that phrase. It's just that unless it's you're living your best life in Christ, you're not really, in fact, living your best life. But if you are indeed in Christ, if you are found in Christ, then, then you can indeed live your best life because you'll be following your particular calling. You'll be able to make sense of this life. You'll be able to have consistency and a firm foundation, a philosophy for life. You'll find meaning and purpose and, and direction and satisfaction in your life because you've grounded yourself on a firm foundation that is that is Christ. And here today we have a wonderful, just a little example of that happening, of someone finding their place, finding their particular calling and, and truly living, stepping up to the plate and having a swing despite their own misgivings about their own ability to do so. Now, John the Baptist or John the Baptizer is one of the most pivotal characters in Scripture. He does provide uh, an essential link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. John is, is uh, the last of the long line of the old prophets, of the old covenant. He's, he is the last of a long line of people that, would, that were called by God to, to, to proclaim God's hard truths, difficult truths, in difficult situations to his people, to point towards the Messiah, to point towards the coming Christ. He's the last of that line. 
He was a real wild man. Of course, we know that he was all, all the locusts and the wild honey. He liked to rough it. He seemed a bit of a, an outdoorsman, eating locusts and wild honey, camel, you know, the camel hair tunic, and, uh, and of course, the fire and brimstone preaching as well. We heard it there this morning. Pretty rough dressing down of some pretty powerful people in Jewish society. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are coming out to check out what all the fuss is about. All of society is going out into the wilderness to be baptized by John. John at this stage is a bit of a rock star preacher. He's a, he's a wild man, a fire and brimstone preacher. And the religious leaders, you can sense, are a little bit concerned about what's going on here. So they come out to check him out as well, but he just gives it to them. One of the most fiercest dressing down in Scripture. You brood of vipers. I don't care what culture you come from. That can never be a good thing, can it? To be called a brood of vipers. So he's just fearless, a real fire and, and brimstone preacher. You get the sense he doesn't particularly care at all about what other people think about man sort of, you know, you know buttoned up or sort of flowery letters after your name. He's not the sort of person that cares too much about any of that. So he has a, a popular following. He, he preaches hard truths. He's preaching a baptism of repentance. Repentance is an important part of the Christian story, a turning away from the things of this world and toward uh, the things of, of God. And so Jesus being acknowledged by his second cousin, by the way, their mothers were cousins, by having Jesus acknowledged by John the Baptist was a perfect way to launch his own ministry. Scholars tell us that Jesus is probably about 30 years old now. As we heard last, we only have one story of his childhood, but he spent 30 years for this moment. He's about to step onto the world stage. This is Jesus stepping out and beginning his public ministry. This is an important moment in the life of Jesus and indeed of John. But what I want us to see this morning in particular is that as John is there baptizing, he sees Jesus, who he probably knew, that was second cousin. So he, he would have known who Jesus was, and he's, well, he's taken aback. This fire and brimstone preacher, this real sort of rugged, sort of outdoor man's man, he's all of a sudden a little bit uncertain of himself. He's all of a sudden not sure what to do. He's all of a sudden not sure what, what the right thing to do is. He, he says to Jesus, oh, you should be baptizing me. You get the sense John sort of realizes who Jesus is by this stage. He has some sort of sense. Uh, he's pointing to him that he is, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John realizes who, in fact, Jesus is, and he feels unworthy. He feels not up to the task. He says, no, no, don't, I, I want to I be baptized by you. Now, I don't know about you, but I actually find this quite encouraging. If you've ever felt unworthy, if you've ever felt a little bit uncertain about yourself, and who hasn't? If you've ever felt a little bit like, no, I'm not really up to this. If you've ever felt, no, I, I, I'm not the person, this, I, I'm not qualified. I've got good news for you this morning. You're in very good company because John the Baptist felt that way. Listen to this. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus actually says of John, so this is Jesus speaking of his cousin, he says, of those born of women, which is, let's be honest, everybody, 
he said, there's none greater than John. So John, of all of humanity up until that point, John is the zenith, John is the peak, John is the duck's guts. But, but even John, even John the Baptist, this fire and brimstone, rugged, tough man, hard man, hardcore man, even he feels a little bit unworthy at this point. Even he says, oh, look, I don't know that I can do this. So what I want you to see here is that if even John balked at this moment, then it's, it's okay if you feel that way as well. What I also want us to see, however, is Jesus' loving response. Jesus' gracious response. I want you to see Jesus lifting up Jesus, lifting up John and saying, mate, this is right. This is good. This is the proper thing to do. He said, this is the job that I've prepared for you to do. He's in effect saying, John, you're the man for the job. Please do this for me. Help me out. I need you now. Do this for me, please. So Jesus encourages John, and John at this point obeys. He baptizes Jesus and plays a key role in launching Jesus' public ministry, in launching Jesus out onto the world stage. I don't know about you, but ministers uh, quite often feel, uh, in, feel the same as John did, but I'm, I'm sure we all have, we're familiar with that feeling. I'm not good enough. I, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. It happens in church circles all the time. I, I, it's, that's too lofty. It's, 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 it's too worthy, too noble. I'm not holy enough. I'm not pure enough. Oh, I don't do those sorts of things. Oh, I, 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 I'm not good enough. I, I, I don't know my Bible well enough. I haven't memorized huge tracts of Scripture. I haven't been around the church long enough. I'm not experienced enough. I... I can't step out and try that. I'll just sit back and, and let others do it in 2023. I've heard it all before, and, and, and ministers are not immune from it, but particular as, in particular as someone that is in a leadership position of, of a church, the number of times I've sort of hear people say, oh, I, could, I couldn't do that, for example. I'm just, I'm just a, a lad from from Korea here in Australia, I couldn't possibly take on that. Or, or even I'm just a girl from Bronte, you know, didn't even finish high school. Insert your own story into these, into these stories that, I, that we hear all the time. I, I could never do that for the church. I'm, I'm just not good enough. I, 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 it's not up to me to do these sort of things. I, I, I could never measure up for service to the church. What I love about this story is that it has Jesus here saying, yes, even though you may feel that way, I've got, a, I've got a place for you. I've got a role for you to play in, in God's church. He wants you to step up and to have a swing in, in 2023. He wants to use we imperfect humans with all of our scars, with all of our bumps and bruises and blemishes, all of our sins, all of our scars, all of our missteps, all of our frailties. In fact, by submitting to the waters of baptism, 
is actually Jesus' way of identifying with you and I. Remember, John was preaching a baptism of repentance. Well, Jesus didn't have anything to repent of. We believe he's the spotless Lamb of God. He never sinned. So he didn't actually need to submit to the waters of baptism. He did it in order to identify with you and me. Jesus submitted to the waters of baptism to say, you know what, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm one of you. Jesus loved associating not with the religious hoity-toities, but with the, the common folk, didn't he? He was always found hanging out with the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the disreputable types. In fact, when he did have words of, of condemnation for anyone, he reserved them, in fact, for the stiff upper lip types, the people that thought they had it all together. And he loved associating with people who knew that they didn't. I think it's one of the things that we as a church, not church in the marketplace, I mean church in the West. We, in, certainly in Australia, have done a very, let's be honest with ourselves, a poor job of in recent years is convincing our fellow Aussies that you don't need to be a good person to come to church. I really think a lot of Aussies think you've got to be a good person, you've got to earn your way to come into church, that you only go to church if you're a good person. And a poor job of convincing them that no, no, that's not the case at all. We come to church because we know that we're not and because we need grace, that we are fallen and flawed creatures in need of of God's grace. We've done a poor job, I think, of letting the world know that the reason that we come to church in the first place is because we know that we're not perfect and we need God's grace and God's mercy to be washed clean and once again be able to enter into to God's presence. We're not perfect. Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven, washed clean, whiter than the snow once more and able come into God's presence for all of eternity and hopefully in this life do a little bit better year by year in growing in Christ-likeness, growing in godliness as, as we go. So John allows Jesus to talk him into baptizing him uh, and, and so I'm wanting to, to ask you this morning, ask us all this morning, what is it exactly that we might need to repent of in terms of our own hesitancy to step up and to serve? Maybe we do indeed need to repent of whatever it is that's holding us back in 2023. What is it that you need to just let go of and trust Jesus with and say, you know what, I'm going to step out in faith, trusting in you to carry me through, even in times where I don't really see clearly, Lord. Perhaps we need to repent of faithlessness. Perhaps we need to repent of a fearfulness, a lot of fearfulness around. These last couple of years with COVID, so much fear floating around the place. We're social animals. We become fearful of one another, fearful of, of gathering. But even just repent of our own confidence in, our, in ourselves. Repent of our faithfulness in God to do amazing things. We get a little bit disheartened in the church because it's, these are tough times here in the Western world, in Australia or indeed in, in Canada or a place. It seems as though the church in the English-speaking West is, is, is retreating. But let me assure you, things can change very, very quickly. 
been hearing a lot recently about uh, how things can and do change very quickly when, when just a handful of people take a stand and, and say no. People live behind the Iron Curtain, for example, with tremendous oppression of the church for a generation. The Soviet Union stood for some 70 years enduring tremendous uh, 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 oppression. But then along comes the late 1980s and a, a Polish pope defies the authorities from the Kremlin and from Poland, from behind the Iron Curtain, and says, no, I'm going to my homeland. Millions of his countrymen and women turn out to see him, to say, you know what? Faith is alive and well in our home country. People take to the streets in Eastern Europe. They wanted to send in the tanks. The leaders of those Eastern European nations wanted to send in the tanks, crush the dissidents just like they did uh, back in Beijing. And it only took one or two men to stand up and say, no, we're not doing it. These are our people. We're not doing it. And by the way, these men were not good men. These men that stood up and took a stand and said, no, we're not sending in tanks, not sending in the army against our own people, they were guilty of plenty. But God used them and overnight the Iron Curtain fell. The story goes the Chancellor of East Germany told his West German counterpart that wall is never coming down. The next day they are on it with sledgehammers. God can do amazing things through flawed people like you and I. We simply have to step out in faith, wait on his timing year after year. Perhaps it is this year when revival comes to this land. I pray that it is. But even if it isn't, I don't know about you, but I'm going to step out in faith and have a go. Like a youngster learning to play cricket, I'm going to have a swing. Will you have a swing with me in 2023, church? Will you have a go? Will you step out in faith? Will you repent of your unbelief in yourself? Repent of your unbelief in your God. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Your church needs you in 2023. And when we don't step up, the rest of us have to carry your part for you. And it leads to all sorts of dysfunction and hurts in the church. So can I encourage you in 2023, begin a new year. To ask yourself, where have I been resisting my Saviour? Where have I been taking a backward step and saying, no, no, I can't, I can't, I won't? Can I encourage you to repent of that this day? Leave it at the foot of the cross and say, here I am, Lord. Take me and use me. Know that you are good enough to step up and serve today. Step up, fulfill your calling. It'll be the best decision you make, the best New Year's resolution you could possibly make. Hear his call upon your life. Step up, have a swing, step into your calling for 2023. Amen? Let's pray. Yes, Lord, we pray for your help because this is indeed a, can be a daunting task of hearing your call upon our lives and Sometimes you do call us, Father, to step into difficult situations, awkward situations, dangerous situations perhaps. 
Give us ears to hear, both individuals and as your church family, Lord. Show us who you would have us be, what you would have us do, who you would have us love and serve and reach in Jesus' name. Help us to repent of all those fears about what might be, fears of man, fears of failure, Father, fears of falling on our face. Help us to know that it's okay to fail, that your love is not dependent upon success, that your love for us remains steadfast through it all. Father, show us what you would have us do, who you would have us be in 2023, we pray. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen.